Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe in the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode 74 of Jock Talk. I'm Jean-Jacques Taylor, joined by my boy Big Joe in the Big Rig. Uh, what's up, bro? Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, 74, who comes to mind? 74, Bob Lilly. Mr. Cowboy. There couldn't really be anybody else. Now, I got to be honest with you. I was looking for the exact uh, tweet, and maybe I'll find it while we're talking right here. But we were certainly criticized. Uh-oh. Oh, here's my man, uh, A. Ray Disc Golf. A. Ray on Twitter. Of course I get that, but come on, man. He's a Hall of Famer and all-time Cowboys great. I had his name in my mind days before, the first number 70 in my thought process. We were criticized for not having Rayfield Wright as number 70. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and yeah, I, that's and good. I mean, I that's took good that. right there. I took yeah. that. Yeah. But I was like, eh, you know, Rayfield Wright was an old school offensive lineman. And I can't sit here and tell you that I paid any attention to no old school offensive linemen. Well. Which is why I be making fun of you when you be talking about Herb Scott and John Fitzgerald and all them cats. Yeah. That was before my real football intricacy. Now, I understand what Rayfield Wright did. Check this out, A-Ray. I even have a chapter on him in my book, uh, Cowboys and the Best Games That They Ever Played. Now, that thing only cost you about $15 on Amazon because uh, I did that about 12 years ago. Now, A-Ray would probably say, well, that's even worse that you did a chapter of him in your book and number 70 didn't come to mind. Uh, but, hey, it is what it is. Oh, I like, uh, but I like that, though. You know, that's that's you know what I'm saying? I like I like I like that. I saw on a comment on YouTube one of the guys said sixty six is Conrad Dobler. Well, you know <laughs> right, what? Right, right. You know what? Well represented. I can't you know, it's it's really fun for me because it's an opinion thing. If he say Ray, Ray feel right over over Zach Martin, I ain't mad at you. I have no problem with that. That's <laughs> that's that's pretty good right there. I, you know, I'm sorry I, I didn't re- I remember Ray Phil, but you know, Zach Martin is my favorite cowboy right now. But yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty cool though. It's really, it's really your opinion. Which you say ain't no winners and losers, but yeah, right. it's all good. I like when people play along like that because everybody got their favorite number and favorite player. If you want to help the show, and we hope that you do since you're listening, what you can do right now is click over to YouTube, go to the Real Jacques Talk, subscribe, like. Leave us a comment on that. That helps with the algorithms, and that helps us sustain the show and, uh, and really drive it because we got some things we're trying to do over the next six, seven months, and that would help us greatly. You can also follow the show on uh, Instagram at The Real Jock Talk, and you can always hit me up on uh, Twitter at uh, JJT Journalist. I am Jean-Jacques Taylor is the handle. Now, I always tell you all this, but it's very important. What you need to do right now is put in your phone, 972-934-8900. And if you're ever involved in an accident, somebody else's negligence has caused you some harm. It doesn't matter whether it's a car accident, a trucking accident, 
you're out uh, shopping and something happens to you at the store where you're shopping, you're at a friend's house, as long as it ain't mine, and something goes down, all of that, man, if somebody else's negligence has caused you some pain, you need to call that number, and when the folks at Greening Law pick up, all you really need to do is say, here's the details of my situation. And if they bring you on as a client, hip, hip, hooray for you. And here's why. They literally take care of everything for you. Literally, because they want you focused on health and renewal. Get your mind right, get your body right, get your life back. That's what they want you to do. And so to do that, they take care of everything, man. You need a doctor, they'll find you a doctor set up an appointment for you. You need a specialist, they'll find a specialist and set up an appointment for you. They handle every single solitary thing that needs to be handled so you can focus on getting your mind right and your body right so you can get your life back. Now, they don't take a dime, not a nickel, not a quarter, nothing, until you get paid. So, what better deal is that? They don't get paid until you get paid. I mean, it doesn't really work any better than that. So, give Greening Law a call, 972-934-8900, if you're ever involved in an accident and it's not your fault. Now, I always like to tell folks this. You ain't got to take your boy's word for nothing. Real talk, you don't. You can go to greeninglaw.com, check out their website, see all the awards they've won for, for excellence. Check them out for yourself. See the awards. See the comments of the clients that they've helped. And then ask yourself, why would I want to pick anybody else? It's got to be Greening Law. My boys, Clarence, Calvin, Todd Archer, they're all at the Combine this week. Uh, they're they're uh, Calvin and, I mean, uh, Todd, and Clarence will be on the show. We'll figure out how to get it done, given their schedules once they're at the Combine. But the Combine is always interesting. Now, one thing about the Combine, dog, is, uh, and I tell this story quite, quite often, I've only been to the Combine, I really want to say one time, because they usually only sent one reporter. And I think for a while... I just picked the senior bowl because you could get more done, and I let whoever else was covering the beat with me, be it Archer or be it Chip Brown or somebody else, I let them go to the combine. I was like, give me the senior bowl. Let me do my thing. You go to the combine. Um, Now, the only time I've been to the combine, dude, it was the most amazing experience. Uh, I think, and you 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 know when it was, dog? I can tell you right now when it was. Only time I've been to the Combine, I believe, was 1998. And why did I know that? Because I went in part because the Cowboys hadn't named the head coach yet since firing uh, Chan Gailey. And, uh, I mean, since firing Barry Switzer. And it was there that they first made contact with Chan Gailey. Now, let me tell you all the things that happened in that one trip I went to the Combine. Most of them are funny, okay? So check this out. That's the time where I've, and I've told y'all this story a few times. That's the time I was walking down the street in the middle of the night and I ran into Jimmy Johnson with a bag from St. Elmo's with a bone in it and he had a little dog in his arms called Buttercup. And I said, hey, Jimmy, who is this? He said, oh, this is Buttercup. I went over to St. Elmo's to get Buttercup a bone. And I cannot stop laughing about that for years later because big, bad, mean Jimmy Johnson had this little fake dog in his arms called Buttercup. And uh, I remember I talked to him years later, and I said, hey, is Buttercup still with us? He said, nah, Buttercup has gone to that great boneyard in the sky. And uh, it was really pretty funny. I saw that. I saw a well-known NFL coach 
kissing some woman, not his wife, in the corner of a bar. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of St. Elmo's Steakhouse, man? No. Uh, St. Elmo's Steakhouse is known for its shrimp cocktail, okay? The shrimp cocktail is bathed in horseradish. If you don't know this like I didn't, what do you do? Here comes shrimp cocktails, a world-famous shrimp cocktail, because uh, you had dinner with a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, let's get shrimp cocktail. Hey, Taylor, the shrimp is great, man. You got to try one. Oh, I like shrimp. Hey, it's, uh, it's got a little spice to it. Ah, I'm good with that. Yeah, you, you can see what's coming. Set up. Bathed in horseradish, okay? Bathed and soaked in it. Man, I took that thing, eyes watering, nose dripping, unforgettable experience. Everybody's cracking up because that's kind of what you do to people. You set them up with, this, with St. Elmo's uh, shrimp cocktail. It's so big, y'all can Google St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail and it'll come up and talk about how it's, how it's famous. And then the last thing is, well, you know what? I don't. I think I had to tell that to Big Joe and the Big Rig off the air. <laughs> it's not about me, but I don't know how to tell this story without indicting the person it happened to. And even though this was uh, twenty years ago, I ain't really down for for indicting that person. Uh, <laughs> so I t- I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Joe the story later. So I'm sorry to tease y'all with that. I didn't mean to. But that's what happened. You ain't going to say uh, who the coach was kissing some girl? Oh, it was Bill Cowher. Wow. He's, div- he's divorced now. Oh, so. well, we see why. So it don't matter. Damn, I didn't want to know that. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry I asked. You know, Bill Bill is up there for me, but I'm, you know, I'm sorry. It was the job. Yeah. He was down her sucking face. And I, like, I wasn't standing, but I was like, oh, she seems young to be his wife. <laughs> oh well. And then I wouldn't look it up. I I like, oh, I'm, okay. I'm not gonna ask you ever again. There you go. Let hey, you man. Be. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this other one I'm I'm not going down that road. Roger that. Uh it's, it's not even worth it. But uh, those are my fun memories from the combine. Uh that being said, uh the combine is always interesting because you never know when you get there, like we know the names, and some of them will work out and some of them will not. Uh, but we know the names, and I think the interesting thing is that, um, uh, well, let me say this. It was allegedly Bill Cowher. Dude had a big jaw and a mustache, but I don't, you know, it looked like him. Maybe it was his doppelganger. How about that? Um, but, you know, the combine is full of cats who show up and do their thing, and they become combine warriors, and they move rapidly to the top of the draft list. Why? Because everybody's looking for that ultra athlete. And so it's always oh, good to. I got two guys. I'm sorry. Two guys. Uh, well, yeah. I was both, say of them, so. both of them drafted by the Eagles. But I, I'll get back with you. Oh, uh, no. It's, it's, so it's always good to remember as we go into the combine this week, somebody run a 4 1 4 don't mean they can play football. It means they trained well and they fast. Maybe they can play football. Maybe they can't. Um, so just keep that in mind as you're watching the combine and getting excited. Now, one of the guys you're talking about has got to be Mike Mamula. Yep. Of the Philadelphia Eagles. I forget. From Boston College. Boston, yeah, I mean, Boston College, drafted by the Eagles. I think he went yeah. like number seven overall. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember um, I can't remember what he did at the combine that made him stand out. 
Uh, probably a combination of the 40 time bench press. Uh, probably did uh, 37 minutes vertical, you know, a lot of Music. those things. And then the shuttle, all of that stuff. Yeah, uh, Mike Mamuda. show now. And a guy, and named, then... a guy named Donald, Don, Donald Evans. He was like 6'1", 260, defensive end, like Mike Mamula. And he played for Buddy Ryan. And uh, he never got it together. He never, You know, the combine was good. His combine was good. Like I said, he was about 6'1", 260, 4'5", or something like that. All the stuff, no intangibles. Oh, okay, because he, uh, he ended up playing uh, eight years in the league. Right. He's all right, man. Well, he ended up not being the guy, but he was a rotation player. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he, I, yeah. Because he, yeah. he actually started for five years. Yeah. He just wasn't the guy that he was supposed to be. Like, if he was, let's say if he was the third or fourth round, you'd be like, oh, that's cold right there. He did pretty good. But he was supposed to be that guy where they drafted him. Yeah. Actually, uh, well, here's probably what you're talking about because I ain't never heard of him. I went and looked him up. Mm-hmm. Ironically enough, the Rams drafted him. Uh, with the second, with the forty seventh pick overall in the second round, and they cut him after one year, and then he went to uh, went to Philadelphia, and he played uh, in Philadelphia for uh, uh, shoot. I went back to Mike Mamuda right quick. I didn't remember that he got drafted by the by the. I, I was a combine fool, you know, back in the day. And uh, I just remember them going crazy over him. And then when he got to the Eagles, they was talking about how he was a high pick and all this other stuff, and he was supposed to be a star. Yeah. He uh, he went to the Eagles in 88, and he played – well, this is weird. He only played one year for the Eagles. And then he went to Pittsburgh. And, oh, you know what? Okay, here's the deal. As y'all can tell you, I'm looking this up on the fly. He was drafted by the Rams in 87. Cut and then played one game. Uh, and then he was cut, joined Pittsburgh in 88, played five games, cut, did not play in 89. And then, interestingly enough, went to Pittsburgh and played uh, the next four years and started all but two games, 62 yeah. out of 64 games, yeah. playing with Pittsburgh. Then he went to the Jets, started for a year, was a backup for a year, and then was out of the league. So he got a good career going, but he was yeah. a combine superstar. And then uh, you also had, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Mike Bamula, who everybody uh, thinks about with the combine, uh, with his performance in the combine. He played five years, all with the Eagles. Um, he was actually a full-time starter his first four years. Never, uh, never had eight and a half sacks, eight sacks twice. And I think the thing of it was, now, let me ask you this. I just noticed this. Uh, he finished fifth in the defensive rookie of the year voting, so it's not like he stunk. I think it was the expectations based off his combine was he was going to be a star. Yeah. And he ended up to just be a serviceable NFL a player. Good, a good player, yeah. Yeah. So, But those things always come up at the combine, man. Uh, remember John Ross from Washington ran 4-2. And it was, oh, my God, mm-hmm. that's the fastest time at the combine. John, John Ross going to put up some numbers, goes to the Bengals, and he did nothing. Like, he played four years, and uh, just, you know, his best year was uh, 2019. 
28 catches, 506 yards, three touchdowns. He bounced around pretty good. I think the last team he was with was Kansas City, I think. Nah, let me let me double check, make sure this is the right guy. Uh, nope. Who was he it? did not bounce around. Uh, he may have bounced around, but he got cut. Yeah. He, he played four years with Cincinnati, one year with the Giants, and that was it. Yeah, he was in and he was in and it seemed like he was in and out of Kansas City, like, you know, on the bubble with Maybe Kansas City. Maybe practice squad or something. Yeah, something but like he that. He never, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he didn't catch no passes in an NFL game in Kansas City. He caught playing that passes on Madden. I had him. <laughs> I had him run that nine route. You know what I'm saying? He run a lot of clearing there's, routes. Yeah. There's a lot of cats on Madden who can play. Yeah. Uh, with their skill set. Yeah. It's the intangibles that don't uh, that don't translate. Right. Uh, one guy whose intangibles did translate was D- DK Metcalf. Like I had not heard of DK Metcalf. Why? Because he played uh, at Ole Miss, I think. Oh, he but, he busted Alabama's ass. He was yeah. He was. I heard I had heard of him, and then he I heard all the stuff. He had some big games, but yeah. nobody thought he was going to go to the combine and do what he did. Yeah, because then the question is, well, how come they ain't? What happened at uh, Old Mister? He had good numbers, but not great numbers. Oh well, the thing was he couldn't he couldn't cut or he couldn't turn. They got him messed up with that Claypool dude. They was both big receivers and fast, right. but Claypool had no wiggle, and he couldn't run routes. That was the thing with uh. Metcalf, great straight ahead speed. He's just too big. He's not flexible. He's all that. Yeah. You know, and, no, he's. You know. I mean, he's had a nice career. I mean, he busted Cowboys' ass last year. Yeah, I'm just saying. He he, but, uh, he, he ex- exceeded expectations because when they start talking about him, they start, you know, downing him. And I remember saying, well, he can't run routes or he can't cut. You know, he had, you know he can't turn. He's stiff. Nah, he ain't, you know, that's just, I don't know where that came from. Uh, he's been in the NFL uh, five years. He's had three 1,000-yard seasons. The other two years, he didn't get 1,000. He was at 900 or above. Um, he's averaged more than 15 yards a catch three out of five years. He scored 43 touchdowns in five years. That's a nice career. Yep. He's just getting started. He's just 26. Yep. He played um, with uh, A.J. Brown at Ole Miss. And that's the other thing. Well, A.J. Brown probably got some of his balls. Mm-hmm. And Geno Smith is a good quarterback, but let's not act like – and then he had Russell Wilson early, but Russell Wilson his last couple of years in Seattle was just a guy in terms of throwing the ball. So it's not like he's had an elite quarterback throwing him the ball, but uh, he's been able to make plays. Uh, who's the one Dallas Cowboy that was a combine warrior? Ah, man, Billy Cannon Jr. Man, you went so deep in the archives. I, can't, I don't even have a comment for that. Okay. You asked. <laughs> <laughs> right off top. I think you bumped your mic or something. All right. Now that is a name. I remember the name, but damn. Billy Cannon Jr., that's deep in the archives. Uh, the one name I was going to tell you for the Cowboys is Byron Jones. That 10.1 standing broad jump had like a ridiculous oh, vertical. Oh, see, I thought you meant guy. See, I'm thinking in terms of bust. No. You know, that just, wasn't no good. You just saying uh, just warrior. I, I, I didn't understand the assignment, but I got you. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he was so great. Like, yeah. It's terrific to comment. The thing about Byron Jones is Byron Jones is a, was a good NFL player. Yep. Um, especially if you take if you consider he was at the twenty seventh pick. Yep. So he, he was good, but um, I think he was frustrating because he was always around the ball, but didn't you know, he'd knock a few down, but he couldn't get that pick for it. I think he had two interceptions in five years in Dallas. Yeah, I ain't gonna hold it against him. He was a pretty good player for us, and he got paid. So and he got paid. Yeah, so the, clearly, somebody else thought it was great. And the then, numbers, uh, the numbers, yeah, the, the 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 combine numbers was true for him. You know, I don't think if he if everybody thought he was going to be Dion, they'd have picked him higher than twenty seven. But I think yeah. they probably took him from you know second, the second round, third, the first second round, second round, first round. Yeah, nah, I buy that. So, yeah. but the combine is a uh, is always good for some stories like that. There'll be some guys who pop this this week, and you're just like, oh my god, why did this guy not perform better in uh, in college? And and that'll be uh, that'll be the deal. Oh, uh, that wonder lick. At Wonder League, boy, boy. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, it's just me. I, I could give two dead flies about the Wonder League. Uh, that's some of that standardized test mess that ain't got nothing to do with football. Uh, not a whole lot, and and I really think they use it to discriminate against players or put players in the in the dumb, stupid box. Um, and I say that, you know, as a dude who highly intelligent. Who scored less than seven hundred on the SAT? You know why? Because I didn't give a damn about the SAT, even though I had to take it. What you I do? fell asleep you during do, the SAT. What you do just sign your name or something? Basically, right. I mean, I I didn't study for it. Uh, I didn't study for it. I, I this is a true story. I did not study for it. I went to uh, the yearbook deadlines. Were that day? Were like that weekend? And so I had spent, I had been at the yearbook at Skyline working until literally about 12 o'clock. And uh, maybe even later, a little bit later than that, because one of the, my students' friends, Laura Pock, good friend of mine, she's a doctor in San Francisco now. Her mom gave me a ride home. They lived in North Dallas. She drove all the way to Oak Cliff to give me a ride home. And I got home about 1.30 and went, took the SAT the next morning at 8 o'clock. Scored like 6.80 on it. Gotcha. And so my whole point is, as a, as a son of two PhDs, I don't think that the SAT was some great gauge of my intelligence. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when that thing about C.J. Stroud came out last year with that other test that they were trying to say determines how, how smart you are as it relates to, uh, you know, understanding and making quick decisions – and they they were trying to call him dumb on the slide using that test as the, as the gauge. Sometimes, yeah. uh, sometimes um, it affects your draft status. When I look it up, sometimes it affects your draft status, and sometimes it don't. The, the one yeah. Dallas Cowboy that the Cowboys traded up to get anyway that did terrible on the Wonder Lick was Mo Claiborne. Right, you know, and they dra- you know they traded up drafting him anyway, and he became a serviceable pro. And some guys who bombed that thing end up out the show. In a little bit. Uh, the NFL, you know, the, the playbook that I seen from the NFL that a friend showed me, um, it's pretty complicated, man. That stuff is pretty complicated. And, and, and you know, if a guy's talented enough, they'll dumb it down. But they complicate the hell out the game. And you got to process a lot of stuff. Or they got to make it a, make make it easier for you to process a lot of stuff. So you're going to need some 
some comprehension, some kind of, you know, something to play in that league. You can't be a dummy and play in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. So sometimes I, I look, I, I know what you're saying about discriminating on the wonder league, but uh, sometimes it matters and sometimes it don't. I looked at some of the people that bombed it and it's like, yeah, that's why they out the league. Yeah, I would never take the wonder league if I was a player. I wouldn't I'd either. Like, yeah, I'll bump that. I wouldn't. I, if, that, if that's got to be part of the combine, I'm not going to combine. Check me out on my pro day. Look at my damn transcripts. Yeah. How about that? See, I, I, I'd be much more inclined to be that. Yeah. Uh, there you go. You know, or you know, how about this? Why don't you put me up on the board and see if I can do what I'm supposed to do in a football classroom? Since that's what you're hiring me for. Sure. Um, but I'm, sure. I'm not a big fan of standardized tests, as you can see. Even though my granddaughter finished uh, with a top 15 score in the Duncanville PSAT, mm-hmm. but again, I just I just have very little use for standardized tests because a lot of it is how well you were trained. And what kind of environment you were brought up in, and uh, you know that's my that's the end of my rant on standardized tests, whether it's uh, the SAT, the ACT, the Wonderlick, or whatever CJ Stroud took. Uh, Calvin Watkins, one of my good friends, he put out a list today of uh, players that the Cowboys should look at while they're at the combine, and I thought it was an interesting list. Um, it handles most of the uh, most of the things you would expect, but uh, I think when you look at the Cowboys, the Cowboys do best, in my opinion, when they just draft the best player available. When they go, "Hey, this guy's sitting there; it's all good. We'll take him." Um, I'm a believer. And you can tell me what you think. I don't think you can never go wrong drafting good players. And you're like, well, duh. No, I mean, like, for real. I mean, if you draft a good player, you can always find a use for them. Maybe you can switch their position a little bit. Maybe give you some depth. But when you draft good players, it's hard to mess it up. When you start drafting for need and you start reaching, it's very easy to mess it up. And so I think that's, uh, that's where the Cowboys have to be careful in this draft. Just draft the best dude available, and you should be all right. Yeah, my thoughts on that is you go back to C.D. Lamb. They didn't need him when they got him. Exactly. You know, and then he became the slot guy. And I'm not sure if he don't become our slot guy that he can be able to do both. You know, because yeah. he wasn't the slot. He did a lot of slot stuff at Oklahoma. He played all over the place. But he became the third receiver for us. And instantly he was busting people's ass, you know. Right. And then he learned to learn how to be a number one, you know. Um yeah, I, I I think the Cowboys don't. I wouldn't. I was thinking. I saw I saw Calvin report, and yeah, Calvin is always good. And uh, I will tell you, taking a linebacker in the first round, he gotta be that guy. But how about you take the best player in the first round, and then scout the hell out? You know, somebody that fits what you want to do. Yeah. Well, you let's uh, let's look at this list. So, so here's the deal. Um, like, and I'm going through the list as as uh, as Calvin put him on there, not in alphabetical order, but just in this order. Oh yeah. Um, he's got a guard, Troy Fatanu for out of Washington. He's got Jordan Morgan out of uh, Arizona, and then he's got Graham Barton out of Duke. And I would just say, off the top of my head, 
I ain't interested in drafting no guard in the first round. And that's because... It depends on his flexibility. It depends on... It depends on his flexibility and and what I mean is by can he slide up and down the line. Can he play center or guard? Can he play guard or tackle? And, you know, how how tall is he? If he's 6'4", you know he's going to play a damn guard or tackle. I don't care where... I mean, a guard or a center. If he's 6'5", you know, Tyler Smith size and all that... Yeah, you might have to do that cause, man. I know what you're saying about drafting a guard, but for me, that first house you got to build is that offensive line before you build anything else. Uh, I'm not I'm not opposed to that, but I'm. you have Zach Martin, you got Tyler Smith. There's not a spot for a guard to play unless you're moving him to center. And if you're moving him to center, I would hate – this is just your boy here. I'm not – I'm not really interested in taking a dude at guard who's never played center and then say, hey, I need you to be my starting center. That seems to be, to me, to be a recipe for disaster. And and the conversation is up because Tyler Biotis is a free agent. And to me, he falls under the category of good, solid NFL player who can probably make more money elsewhere than I'm willing to spend on him on a second contract. Yeah. And so you have, so, so that opens up the conversation of who's playing center. Now, uh, on his list, he also had Zach Frazier out of West Virginia and Graham Barton out of Duke as centers. Uh, oh, the one thing I wanted to tell y'all, I'm not that dude who spent all this time watching all these college players and going to sit here and tell you like, oh, I like the way uh, Graham Barton sinks his hips and the way he de- delivers a punch when the defensive lineman is coming. I'm not that guy. Uh, I read up on these guys, and I can tell you a little bit of uh, based on what I've read, but – I'm not somebody who makes himself out to be some draft expert like a lot of other folks, and then they can't really, they don't really know anything. They're just parroting what they've heard. I'll tell you that the Cowboys need this position. Here's how this position would fit, but I can only tell you what, what I read about a guy in terms of you know what, how he projects to the NFL. Uh, both of these guys were, uh, now I see Graham Barton, this is what we're talking about. Graham Barton, center, Duke, has played mainly tackle, 34 starts, but had five starts at center in, two, in 2020. NFL teams most likely will move him inside, so his testing during the draft will determine plenty about where he, go, where he goes. Now, that's, uh, that's always interesting because 6'5", is a little, that's about the borderline you want for a center in terms of height. Uh, reminds me of uh, your boy Connor um, What's his name? Who, who the Cowboys drafted out of Texas? Connor, Connor Williams. Williams. Connor Williams. Who's now a good center at, at Miami. <laughs> yeah, he would have been a good center here, but, hey, he wasn't they on. had no patience. He wasn't on his last legs. They probably said, hey, this is it for you. If you can't play center, you're going home. He started kicking people's ass at center. Sometimes it happens. Now, now, that's real talk now. A lot of people don't want to do certain things until they don't have no choice. Right. Because remember, he's a left tackle. I'm a left tackle. Left tackle where the money at. Da, 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 da. And then they get him and right move him to guard. So you can see if he was playing guard, be like, yeah, that should be out of tackle, man. Well, he, the club, the, when you start outside, when you start playing outside and they start moving you down towards center, things get smaller for you. The space gets smaller. And you went from being too slow on the outside Hell, this is easy. I, that guy right here, I ain't got to chase nobody that's that's a nope. ballet dancer out here. So it gets easier if you can hang in there. That's why I say the guy that Duke kind of intrigued me because if he started 34 games at tackle, he was decent. 
and they moved him down inside. So it says he probably pretty quick. He probably strong. Right, right. You know, so I don't know. I like versus. I like when people are versatile. No, I mean position flex, uh, versatility, all of that is important in today's NFL because you know the injury. There's so many injuries that you need, guys often need to play different spots. And if you're not a starter, and all these draft picks in the first or second round will not be starters, then the more you can do, the more positions you can fill, the better you, the better it goes for you. Uh, you know, so I think that's uh, that's that's how the Cowboys view this thing. Uh, if you look at uh, defensive tackle, there's Jerzon Newton out of Illinois, and the one that I think everybody gets most excited about, Tavondre Sweat, the 6'4", 360-pound beast uh, who won the Outland Award and the uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year out of Texas. Um, I think either one. I know for sure Sweat would be great for you. In terms of you think you would get him, he would feel exactly what what you need, what you thought Mozzie Smith would do. The question is whether they want to go back-to-back with similar types of picks. And I don't know that they do. Uh, Drazon Newton was a Big Ten defense player of the year. Uh, and that's impressive, man, for him to be a defensive tackle at a place like Illinois over the guys at Ohio State and the guys over Michigan to be defensive player of the year. That's pretty impressive. I actually seen him play. Oh, what'd you think? Yeah, he's a beast. He just, he just, he just effing crazy. He just, he just, he, 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 uh, what we call him, he's a headbanger, a knuckle dragger. Yeah, he's a football player. He don't even look right. He don't look like, he, he kind of reminds you of Jerome Brown. Because Jerome Brown had like the trash can body and he looked like he was drinking all the time and he'd come out there and. <laughs> He would just wreck, wreck shop. You know what I'm saying? Some guys just don't look the part. Nick Farley had a bad body, but he could kill you in college. So right. sometimes it's one of them things where they're not built like Greek gods and they can play. His helmet looked too damn small. Mm. You know, just, I just, when I saw him play, I was like, okay. Cause you know, first you see a clip of somebody and then you right. go back and look and say, okay. And you can, on TikTok, you can do anything you want. You can look on, you can look at them clips of players <laughs> and put a guy's name in and see tape on them all day. Right. You know, so that's that's the fun thing about that, amongst other things, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen him play, yeah. I don't know. You got to be patient with them defensive tackles because they don't pop right away. Uh, Jordan Davis last year with the Eagles was, like, out of breath all the damn time. This year? Big guys out, you know, he, he, he played really good. And the other guy they drafted from uh, Jalen Carter from uh, what's his name now? He popped early. He, he, he was NFL ready, but Jordan Davis was not. Everybody thought Jordan Davis was kind of a bust, kind of like Mozzie where he rotated and all that, and he really didn't understand what was going on. But even though the Eagles was bad, he played better this year. So you got to be patient with some of these guys if you draft them. I'm not opposed to drafting another defensive tackle. But, you know, the Eagles did it and they won. You know, I'm talking about they won on the draft. Of course, they yeah. draft everybody from Georgia. So, there you go. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, if you got Sweat and Mozzie in year two developed into uh, something you, you thought he would be, and I think one of the – now, this is just your boy here, but one of the questions that must – that at some point we got to get to the bottom of um, is why he went from 320 to, like, 295. Um, oh, that's easy. Know. That's easy. Oh, what, what's the answer? Well, you, you, you start out 
Like your numbers are pumped up. You know, um, my you getting ready for the combine. You getting ready for the combine and all of that. Uh, my my uh, son's football coach did that. You know, my son was five seven, five six, uh, one eighty, and they had a little Nike camp or whatever. And you know where Nike comes out and do a little combine and all of that. I can't remember what it's called, but they do a little combine at school. But make a long story short, he was up to one ninety because coach was trying to buck him up. Let's say he was 179. Coach got him up to 190. It's only 11 pounds, but it's bulk. Well, by the time the Nike people came around, he listed him at 190. Well, Bubba started running track, and he was down to 175. And Coach was like, wait, you was 190? Yeah, you're trying to bulk him up because you pumped his numbers up. You know, you, you're trying to help him by pumping his numbers up. That ain't the right thing. So I would think that, you know, if the Cowboys looking for a 320-pound guy or the NFL looking for a 320-pound guy, they're going to get a 320-pound guy at the combine. And once you start drafting and working out and all that, he went to his original weight. It's just as simple, it's just as, simple as they pumped his numbers up. And they do that. They gain weight like that to try to get, to get a higher draft status. I don't yeah, know. I think the I think the difference is um that makes sense to me. I think the difference is when he weighed in at the Cowboys, that was whatever he was weighing. Still, whatever was on whatever still. was on their roster uh at training camp is what he was weighing and it was 320 something and he was not 320 something toward the end of the year. And I don't know, I mean, you could say that's because uh Maybe his diet wasn't right. Maybe he couldn't hold the weight once he was practicing and, you know, in two days and, I mean, practicing in training camp and all that. Yeah. So, and maybe, you know, because lots of guys can't hold weight. Now, it seems weird, but, yeah, you know, you start working out and you just can't yeah. hold it. Maybe you're not eating enough. Well, especially if you, you were dropping weight. Especially if you wasn't that in the first, if you really wasn't that in the first place. And then yeah. you're trying to gain all that in the summer. So, you know, you, you're a workout guy. You you got a good diet. You know how you can you can put that weight on, and then when you start working out to get ready for camp, you, st- you know, or, or when camp starts, you you start really burning. You know, you you eating right and you burning them calories. Your metabolism, especially at his age, is burning that stuff. So I don't know. Is it either that or he was real nervous or he was? He said it might be something else. I don't know. But that's a As lot I of said, weight. A, I said the question is we have to figure we have to get to the bottom of it. Um, and and the reason why you have to get to the bottom of it is to figure out who you really are <laughs> and what role you can really play. Uh, well, you know, the defense that's, him, and Mike Zimmer defense, he ain't got to be that big. Yeah, the defense, he ain't, that a gap system. If they run that, he ain't, he ain't got to be that big. Well, he's one of the guys who I'm going to ask about him because I know I get the right answer. Oh yeah, and, and then yeah, I share it sure. to y'all when I when I, when I sure. get it at some point. Uh, but that's one of the questions that needs to be answered uh, as you figure out whether, uh, you know, Jerzon Newton or Tavondre Sweat is a uh, is a good pick um, at 24 for the Cowboys. Ordinarily, you might say uh, somebody like uh, Byron Jones out of uh, Texas, who uh, who ironically enough played with my son at DeSoto or my son played with him. But uh, I think he's going to be gone way before the 24th pick, which is why he's not included in a list like this. Uh, Junior Colson, linebacker out of Michigan. I'm I'm like you, you know. Unless you're that dude, yeah, I'm not taking no linebacker in the first round. 
Yeah, I, I like I said, I think they should just draft the best player available. Don't reach. Um, and do your job, scouting scouting department. Do your job. Everybody else is just about everybody is hitting on somebody in the doggone force. I think Will McClay is exceptional myself. And I think, you know, given time, he's going to find somebody. He found Patrick Overshaw. I mean, not Patrick, but Demarius or DeVar. His name is Overshaw from Texas. I think he would have been a game changer this year. And it de- he definitely would have had the opportunity he don't get hurt. Yeah, so, get, you know. Uh, he'll get a chance to do that next year. Oh, yeah, but that's the thing is that I think Will McClay, I mean, I ain't going to take away from Will. I like Will since he got here. Right. And uh, he does a good job scouting. So, you know, that's that's that would be my philosophy too. Take who you need. Even if you take sweat and take another defensive tackle, that's fine. You just pair them fools. Maybe they feed off each other. Because your boy can be the over-tackle and Mozzie can be the under-tackle. And, you know, it's just like, all right, cool. But uh, I'm not opposed to taking the best player, but they really got to get on their they horse on that scouting and find some guy, you know. And uh, the last guy on, on uh, Calvin's list uh, that you can find in the Sunday, Dallas Morning News or online, is Nate Wiggins, cornerback out of Clemson, 6'2", 185. Now, the thing about him is um, – you have to, because some of y'all be like, well, what are you talking about? We got Bland and we got uh, Trayvon Deal. What do we need with another corner? Well, Jordan Lewis is a free agent. Stephon Gilmore is a free agent. If you're not going to bring those guys back, you still need another couple of corners. Uh, you know, and as we talked about, go ahead. Just the NFL, man. Yeah, you can't never have enough good DBs, dog. No. And, and another thing is, uh, hey, if you draft him, he better play. You better find somewhere. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Well, if you draft him, if you draft another corner and he don't play, you don't waste your time. But if you draft another corner and you can get him on the field some kind of way, you're doing, you know what I'm saying? You're you, you cooking with you cooking with gas if you're doing that. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't mind him drafting another corner, but his ass got to play. Somebody got, whoever they draft got to contribute. Something well, I mean, right I now. think that was that was the disappointment with Mozzie Smith this year. Well, the whole defense went this year. We ain't gonna, I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. not. We missed Mozzie Smith like four times, and I try not to say nothing. Good. Right. I mean, you know, he's, he just didn't contribute much. So we can come up with a thousand different reasons why. Yeah. But bottom line is, he didn't. Right. And for your first round pick, you need him to uh, to contribute. So that's uh, that's uh, Calvin Watkins' list. Uh, some ten players to look for at the twenty fourth position. Uh, we're going to bring the draft machine next week, and so y'all can look forward to that. Uh, but now, let's take a trip, quick trip around the block, man. Well, it happened. It's a long time in the making. But it happened yesterday. 2.53 to be exact. Big Joe and the Big Rig, his beautiful wife, ain't many made the drive from almost out of town. Swung by Smokey John's. And there they had. What's, what's almost out of town? Where you live? Shit, Fort Worth is out of town? It is. From downtown Dallas? Yeah, it is. It feel like a helicopter ride away. Yeah, it ain't almost. 
We was on the outsides of downtown, which is good because I don't like downtown. But we get back to that. But they sampled the world famous jam session bowl. For those of y'all who don't know, let me tell y'all what it is right quick. It says Smokey John's Barbecue, 1820 West Mockingbird. It's a bowl with mashed potatoes as a base or mac and cheese. Big Joe the Big Rig went with mac and cheese as the base. Then he went with brisket and sausage. And then all that stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, you know, like chives and bacon bits and cheese and butter, sour cream. They put that on top of it, unless you ask for it on the side. And then they drizzle it with sauce, you drench it with sauce, your choice. And then you take a spoonful and it just feels like love in your mouth. It's so delicious. That's right. So, without further ado, dog, how was it? It was pretty good, man. I liked it. I liked the hell out of it. It was good, man. Uh, uh, not oversold. You didn't oversell it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I thought I would go with the, I would always say I'm going to go with the mashed potato. But I'm, right. a, I'm a baked potato guy anyway. But I said, you know what? Uh, I really wasn't that hungry. So I said, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I took one for the team. I'm saying, I yeah, got, you catered to your wife. I got some brownie points. I'm not a Mac, Mac guy. I don't. I don't like Mac on my stuff like that. So right, I right. said, all right, put it on there. And I reason I say I don't like Mac on my stuff like that because I got it because that's why I knew what she was going to want. We got it, and when we sat down to eat it, you was trying to tell us how to eat. It. I had to put the stop sign on you. Hold up, dog. Well, you know. Now what what he's saying is, how do how does it usually get made? Like I just told you, all the stuff you find on loaded baked potato, they usually put that on top of the uh, mac and cheese or mashed potatoes and the two meats, and then you kind of mix it all up into a casserole. Yeah, yeah. That's how it's normally done. So I was yeah. like, hey, yeah, y'all man. supposed to do it like, hey, man, let me do this over here. Yeah, That's what a, I got told. I had to put a stop sign up because see the the the. But chive, it made sense when they explained it. Well, the chives and all that don't really go. With the mac cheese, I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like now that could cream, be correct. That could be that's, correct. That's why I didn't want to mix that, and I wasn't sure if I was gonna like the mac. I'm not a mac guy. But then the best way to taste some food for me is no barbecue sauce, no extra. First, I don't say the customer service was really good there. All right, people right, were right. friendly and, and helpful and all of that. And even then put two, even put two tables together for us without us asking. Oh yeah. Great customer service. That's always a plus, right? Hell, that make the food taste better, right? You right. know, um, nah. I just taste it first. Whenever I go to a barbecue place, I don't put the sauce on there right away. Can I tell you something? Yeah, this is just me now. Just me. Mm-hmm. At at barbecue places, if I got to put sauce on it, I'm disappointed. Well, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. So let me finish. Let me finish. I'm, I'm I'm getting. I'm wrapping up right now. I ain't rushing you, dog. No, no, I'm saying, uh, uh, I'm old. You cut me down, cut me off mystery, and sometimes I can't bring it back. <laughs> but, uh, uh, now the truth come out. Yeah, well, I ain't never dodged my age. I ain't, I ain't like some people. But anyway, <laughs> I've lived a great life. Don't live a long one. But uh, that, uh, no, the, uh, I wanted to taste it without the sauce, right? Yeah. Man, I got three or four bites in. Shaking my head, and you was telling you was telling some story. I couldn't hear you, dog. That 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 food was that 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 food was singing to me, dog. I was like, mm, mm. Y'all, y'all, y'all was 
y'all was talking about something. You know, you and my auntie and, and my wife was talking about something. I was sitting there going, "Damn, this this it was the the temperature was like I like my food smoking where I got to blow it." Is that and right? The, yeah, the temperature was just right. And man, I, I got three or four bites in, shaking my head like, "Damn, you know, I ain't putting no barbecue sauce on this thing yet." And that's that's the sign of some good food. So I'm not just saying that, just say it. But I, I thought it was pretty good. And waiting on your ass to get there was no line. And then by the time you showed up, it was the line. I mean, it was you know you well, know what I'm saying. People was in a certain you know what I'm saying. The line got long, and I was like, oh no, we're gonna be here all day. Nah, they was in and out. They was, you know what I'm saying? They was working. My wife liked the chicken, even though we didn't get the chicken. She said she wanted to go back, get the sausage. Uh, she really <laughs> likes sausage. You know, she said all, you know, when you look at some places, you can see them cut the stuff and you go, that, that, right? that look dry right there. Uh, you know, <laughs> that don't look good. You know, everybody done been to a barbecue place. You go, I'm going to give it a shot. No, it all looked good. And uh, like I said, they, they picked, they did it. We got all stuff on the side because, like I said, we want, I didn't feel like the sour cream. Yeah, I'll try it next time. But the sour cream and some stuff, that's more baked potato. But, yeah, man. Yeah, it was good. Ain't, uh, ain't many had some, but she tried the catfish. She said that was good. Yeah, yeah. She didn't put so, nothing on it. See, that's nah, another thing. Nah. She, ate, she ate it. She was like, oh, I ain't put nothing Matter on fact, it. No ketchup, none of that. No ketchup, no hot sauces, I believe was the accurate quote. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, so it was, a, it was a good trip to Smokey John's. Uh, I put a picture out there of uh, of uh, Joe enjoying the, the uh, jam session bowl. Got a lot of feedback from y'all. A lot of y'all were like, finally, it's about time. Glad it finally happened. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, we too are glad it finally happened. Uh, you know, it was a little bit impromptu because uh, sometimes we have trouble meshing up schedules. Uh, but uh, we were able to make it happen uh, yesterday afternoon, and so yeah, it was a uh, it was a good time. Smokey John's is fantastic. The food is good. Uh, Juan and Brent Reeves, who own it, they are uh, they're some of the best people you'll ever meet. Not just because they sponsored the show, because they was good people. I've been knowing them for at least ten years before they ever sponsored the show. Yeah, so uh, they've been cool, you know, forever. Well, I couldn't ever attest to Smokey John. I can right. now. See, that, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah, I don't know about. I don't know. People don't know me like they know you, <laughs> but you know, like they don't know me. But I'm pretty straight. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, hey, I don't. Hey, listen, if it wasn't good, I wouldn't be saying nothing at all. You would, right? You just be like, you wouldn't know I got a bowl. I'm just gonna kill this mic over here while we smile. <laughs> but no, 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 it's good. It's pretty good. I, I like I said, I'm not a macaroni guy, but man, I tore that up. I, yeah, I tore <laughs> so it. Up. So today, and see, what do I always tell y'all? I always tell y'all, it's enough for two. And if you got a shorty, all three of y'all can eat off of that. Well, old so, girl asked us that. She said, y'all want one bowl or two? We looking at all that meat that he done cut? <laughs> We're like, nah, nah, let's get one. And, and me and my wife split it. Now, I'm, and you uh, took some home. Yeah, yeah, she killed it when I got home. So, you know, she's like, you want some of this? I said, no, that's for you. I look over there, she eating out the bowl. I said, well, I, oh. I, thought, I thought you was... <laughs> I just thought you was going to get, no, she said, no, you, you good. No, I'm finna mix this thing up now, yeah, and I'm yeah. finna go to work. Yeah, see, yeah, I don't, but yeah, it was it was good, man. Like I said, uh, try that stuff, when you try stuff without the sauce, and it's good, yeah, yeah, it was good. All right, well, good. I'm glad you had a good experience at Smokey John's. 
Uh, and so uh, we'll make a return visit. Clarence Hill all upset because he didn't get invited. Well, it was kind of an impromptu trip. And so, uh, plus, anybody who knows Clarence Hill and the E stands for every time we see him, he's out and about on them streets doing something, having fun, yeah. knows you shouldn't really expect to be have him available on a Saturday afternoon on the kind of Chamber of Commerce day like it was yesterday. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a homebody now because I spent 25 years traveling and five years in the service being gone. So I love being at home. And I, I, you know what? I'm stupid because I get when people have stuff and they say, "Man," I said, "Man, why you didn't invite me?" He goes, you don't never come. Yeah, but I like being invited though. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's like, all right, well, y'all had to get together, man. Y'all didn't tell me you wasn't coming. I know probably not, but I get a warm fuzzy feeling about being invited, man. You know I ain't coming, but I like to be invited. So maybe that's where Clarence is a little bit. Does he show there. up? Does he show up when you invite him? Uh, you know, I haven't invited him very many places mm-hmm. uh, I because I, I I don't get out a whole lot. I've been I've been getting out uh, more over the last few months, uh, trying to get out and explore some of Dallas and see some things I haven't seen yeah. and do some things I haven't done. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's uh, you know, but he invites me a lot of places, and I, I do that where I don't always go. But uh, Clarence is fun to hang around, so oh, I've been yeah. trying. I've been trying to be much more diligent about it. if he asks me to go somewhere, yeah. go because once I get there, I very rarely don't have a good time. Yeah, yeah. He um, showed up at Smokey John's. Yeah, that would yeah. have been cool. Yeah, I, I like Clarence like that. Yeah. No, so that's all good. Uh, one thing we're gonna do today. I'm going off schedule here because I told y'all we'd start doing it. Uh, I'm gonna give you my quick little. Recipe of the week for the air fryer. Um, I'm an air fryer cooker. I've been one probably for about three or four years. And that's because, y'all know, I've been fighting that, that inner fat boy for a long time. And the best way, you know, sodas helped me a lot because soda taught me how to eat and what to eat and when to eat. And I've dropped about 50 pounds over the last five years and kept almost all of it off. Uh, but it's always a struggle. It ain't never easy. And so one way to keep the inner fat guy at bay is to eat at the house. Now, don't anybody trying to eat no boring, nasty food just to keep your weight down. You want food that's good and good for you. And so over the years, I've become pretty proficient at cooking on the air fryer, so much so. And I enjoy it because I can cook a meal for me, almost any meal you can think of for me, within about... 15 minutes max and most of them get done in about 10 to 12 minutes and so they don't take a lot of time i find it to be pretty good and so uh, i'm gonna give you my recipe of the week this week is the garlic bacon cheeseburger i know you like that don't sound low fat i mean you know it's i'm not gonna say it's the lowest fattest thing you'll ever eat but it's it's uh it's better than going out to Black Tap where I had something similar and paying $22 for a burger. How about that? And you know what? You know what you're putting in it. Yeah. And you know what spices and ingredients you like in it. And yep. so, you know, uh, I put a t- tweet out earlier this week that said, once you get proficient at cooking at home, I'm talking about proficient, where you like really enjoy the food that you make. Man, a lot of times you'd be like, do I want to go pay for a burger or do I just want to make my burger? Because I know exactly what to put on it 
to make it good. True story. I used to go to a place called Rice Express in Fort Worth. Right. Man, best fried rice in the world. You know, shrimp fried rice, double shrimp, about $8. Right. One day I YouTube how to make fried <laughs> rice. Man, you talking about a one-pan fried rice cooking food. Mushroom. You don't even have to have no meat in it. Mushrooms, carrots, jalapenos, chives. Um, you know, you suppose you got to have the peas and carrots. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true because once I made my own fried rice, the other people's stuff was like, you know what, this kind of, it's good, but it ain't, it loses. It ain't like mine. No, mine is custom made and I chopped off. I got pictures where I chopped all that stuff up and uh, just, you know, learned how to cook it. And yeah, 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 it's good like that. Well, here's the very basic garland bacon cheese, garlic bacon cheeseburger. You take your hamburger meat. I don't, they tell you to use 85-15 or 80-20 because that extra fat makes it more flavorful. And I get that. And if you want to get down like that, you can do it. That no problem, no harm, no foul. But I'll tell you, I'm fighting the inner fat boy, so I'm at that 93.7 ground beef. And put that in there. And then I take, uh, I use probably a tablespoon of uh, garlic powder, rub it into the meat. Then I take about another tablespoon of minced garlic and put that in the meat. And you got to be careful because when you put the mince in there, it's got a little juice in it. And so it can get a little soggy and don't hold together quite as well. So you just got to be a little thorough in your rub. A little salt, a little pepper. And frankly, that's it. And then here's one of the tricks I learned. When you get it, you put it on, a, uh, on your cutting board or whatever. And you really flatten it out so it's thin, not thick. Thin like a Whataburger hamburger as opposed to, you know, some other quarter inch or inch thick hamburger. You want it thin because then the flavor will kind of resonate through the whole burger. Uh, because, and so once you flatten it out, I then put some more garlic powder on top of it because I want it to have a very strong garlic taste. Uh, two pieces of bacon that I cut in half. I put that in the air fryer on the other side. They both cook. Uh, if you like it medium rare, I mean medium well, I'd say nine minutes in the air fryer will do it at 400. If you like it a little less, obviously you can go up or down to get it how you like it. Uh, I use the thin slices of bread. I mean, I think they call them thins, hamburger buns. They're about half the size of a regular hamburger bun because I don't even like bread all that much these days. And then here's my secret weapon, man. Um, I like peppercorn cheese. Obviously, you can use whatever cheese to your liking. Peppercorn gives a little flavor for me, a little kick. And then I went and did the Joe. I YouTube how to do some Greek so, I mean, some garlic aioli, which I had never really figured out what that was. I did that about two weeks ago. It turned out great. And what you need is about a tablespoon of minced garlic, uh, two tablespoons of mayonnaise, one tablespoon of uh, lemon juice, some salt and some pepper to taste. Mix it all up in a little bowl. Put it in the freezer. Let it chill for about 30 minutes and congeal. Sometimes 20 minutes will do it. And that gives you the extra garlic kick. You put that on the bread, man. You put the cheese on the burger just as it's finishing up in the air fryer for about the last 30 seconds. It'll melt real quickly. Put that on your thin bun. And, uh, dude, that's a burger with a strong garlic taste that'll have you grabbing for the breath mints afterwards. That's if you like garlic, man. 
And I'm a garlic guy because I called it what? The garlic burger. Man, you ain't you ain't shit, man. Why you say that, dog? Cause oh, you want a burger man. now? Yeah, my wife cooking. <laughs> she, she cooking downstairs. You know, we we having broccoli and fish. You know, she 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 working out, so we having broccoli and fish today. But man, she cooking downstairs right now. And I'm just sitting there listening to this, and then, you know, it sounds really good. You know, because you know, I can feel that you like cooking that, and that's your. You know that's your shit right there. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That's that's the best thing about cooking. I've been I've been having an air fryer. I got a, I got a friend of mine told me about that. I got a friend named Tyrone that that suggests stuff. Yeah, and uh, gets my ass in trouble. I got the biggest rice cooker you ever seen. And I got a, I got a twenty cup rice cooker, dog. Damn boy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got a rice cooker that'll feed. I got a rice cooker that'll feed the Eighth Army. You understand? Wow. He, well, he he told me to get that, and I got that. And Why? Because I was cooking my fried. I was cooking the rice in there. I mean, but twenty people, twenty whatever. Twenty cup is is crazy. But that's my body. You know. Anyway, I got to send you a picture of that stuff because it's, it's the, 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 the 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 when the last time he came over, I said, see see what stuff you told me to buy. It's on top of my refrigerator now. My wife four foot something. I don't know how she got it up there. <laughs> It's all out the way on top of the refrigerator. I got a damn industrial sized potato slicer. I can cut <laughs> I can cut two potatoes in point five seconds. Is that and, right? And have a bowl full of French fries ready to air fry. Is that right? Oh yeah, I had to show, I had to show it to you. I seen you picture that too. I'm impressed. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm, a, I'm 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 you know I'm thankful for the air fry advice. The rice cooking. My wife just figured out she can do pressure cooking in there, so she like it now. I think it might it might get off the top of the refrigerator, you know, out the damn way, taking up too much cabbage space. But yeah, my boy suggests a lot of that stuff, and I learned how to air fry. I mean, air fry during COVID. And, right. And uh, yeah, my favorite air fryer is uh, uh, panko shrimp. Right. Now I do that too. Oh my god! You know them 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 things are great, but I can't get I can't get away from them damn crumbs, man. I feel like crumbs everywhere. I get the vacuum out, I get everything out because, <laughs> you know, my wife like, hey, hey, I see you eating them shrimp. You're going to have to do something with them crumbs now. And it's just, you know, they get everywhere. But I will tell you that air fries is a cheat code when you learn how to cook. No, it's uh, it's good. I had a couple of people hit me up on Twitter and said some of those rest- pictures that I showed, because I put a lot of pictures on uh, food I eat on, uh, on uh, Twitter. They said they wanted to see them. I said, you know what, man? Uh, since y'all seem to like it, I, I throw out some recipes that I use because I'm a firm believer in good and good for you. It doesn't have just because you're on a diet or just because yeah. you're trying to eat right yeah. does not mean you need to eat boiled, you know, boiled broccoli and steamed carrots all the time. Yeah. You can eat really good food that's really good for you uh, that'll help you enjoy eating and uh, keep the weight off or keep the weight down or manage it how you want to. And then every and then so on the nights where you do feel like you know what let's really go out and have a nice meal today you're like okay cool this is really good well, but it's not something fry, more. The reason I say air fry is a cheat code because the stuff I used to deep fry like a bag full of fish sticks or some some, yeah. some panko shrimp it's already got oil in it yep and it tastes just as good as it now the French fries don't taste just as good now I got a good recipe for the French fries where I take some olive oil and I. Put a big old handful of them fries in a Ziploc bag. Put all the season I want and shake it up. And then, right. you know, you got to toss them fries once you air fry. But 
it's pretty good. The deal changer for me on the air fryer was putting a layer of foil paper in there when I cook. Yep. That way you ain't got to clean the hell out that thing when you. Nah, when you're that's done. good. Yeah. Uh, you can put foil paper in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was just look. I was just looking that up the other day because I didn't got tired of cleaning mine because I use it literally for just about every meal I prepare. Yeah, you can put like, foil no, paper in there. I've been in this. Uh, I've been in this spot downtown. For a year and 14 months. Ask me how many times I used the oven. Not once. Yeah. <laughs> Not once. But yeah. But, uh... <laughs> try that fall... That's... Try that fall paper, and you won't have as big a mess. All right, I'll do that. Now, when you're cooking your hamburger, it's got to drain. Stuff that's got to drain, you got to let it drain. The fall paper not good yeah. for that. But right. like, like. But well, they got some. They got some liners and some other stuff you can use. Yeah, but if you cooking some, like some shrimp or something that's kind of already cooked, it yeah. don't the fat don't have to drain from it. Fall paper, fall paper. Yes, sir. Right. Game changer. Uh, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. But that's uh that's been an extended trip around the block. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, now let's wrap up with uh with this dog. Your Dallas Mavericks had a uh, eight-game winning streak going into um, Indianapolis this weekend. Are we just gonna keep the block music? It sounds so good. Yeah, I was trying <laughs> to drink some, but I ate my bad. Uh, but the Mavericks got smoked one thirty-three, one eleven by the Pacers, and I felt. Now, this is just me. This doesn't happen often. But I'm watching the game. And at one point in the fourth quarter, uh, the Mavericks were within uh, 104-100, forced to take a timeout. And so I, you can tell from the final score after that, they just got destroyed. But a lot of that, man, was the result of they just went YOLO on offense. Wasn't a lot of ball movement, guys taking contested threes. Uh early in the shot clock. I mean, they just lost the offensive mind. And so I saw what Jason Kidd said after the game. I'm paraphrasing. Basically, we played a pretty good game. We just had poor shot selection in the fourth quarter. It's something we can learn from, something I expect us to learn from, and we'll grow from this. Uh, and to that, I said, you know what? Okay, for one game, I can, uh, I can live with that kind of answer. Because uh, they got outscored thirty three twenty in the uh, in the fourth quarter and gave us uh, actually the, number two Nebro a Nebro well I I I see him on two K he just a, he just a a guy on two K but I'm gonna edit him because he tore the Mavericks up he got hot today he don't he don't shoot like that oh uh, he scored fifteen points on seven of eight shooting yeah but he was like uh, the, the shots he was making was like. You know, they were inopportune makes, and it was just the stuff yeah. that you go, this dude playing off his ass tonight. Well, you know, I always like to say, man, it's a reminder that just about everybody in the NBA, at some point in their career, was that dude who could hit you for 30 Roger that. at night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Most and the that. difference between the NBA stars and the, and the guys who are at the end of the bench is at the NBA level where the best of the best are playing, they can't do that on a consistent basis. But don't ever think that on a given night they can't bust you up. 
because back in the day, at some point, they were that guy. And uh, real quick, I'm always reminded of this guy named Daryl Wilson, who was a tile waver, 15th man on the bench on Skyline Varsity, like when I was a sophomore. And I had known him at some point when we were kids, you know, like, you know, 13, 14, I mean, 12, 11, something like that. Because uh, obviously he was a couple years older than me. And I remember, man, we had an open gym one time. Oh, yeah. And Daryl showed up, and we was just, oh, it's the towel waver. Come on, dog. Yeah. Let's see what you got. Man, you thought he was Michael Jordan out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, gonna, he putting it to that's why, that's why he in the wreck on Saturday, because he putting it to y'all because he didn't get to put it to them dudes in the game. Oh no. yeah, you don't, you don't, no, you don't mess with them guys that made the team. <laughs> hell, hell no. You don't mess with he the was, dudes, nah, man, please. He was crossing people over. He was hitting 27 yeah. foot jumpers. Yeah. He was twisting through the lane. He was yeah. throwing people shit all off the wall in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> and we that's said, damn, that's Daryl. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was crazy, man. It was funny as hell, but it was crazy. At well, imagine playing the guys that get cut in the church league. They killing yeah. him. Yeah, it's like, dang, you didn't make the team? They should be, they should win state. Nah. You know. And uh, real talk, that's when I quit playing my dude in basketball. Mm-hmm. Once once he, uh, I, could, I, I could hang with him until he got to be about the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. He started, and he was playing at DeSoto, and he was playing AAU ball. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, okay. I beat him one last game. I used the old man rules where I put my ass on him and just overpowered him a little bit. But it took everything I had to beat him like 10 to 9. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I think it's time for me to retire because he about to elevate on me and it's not going to be no fun. Well, my and- daughter used to do that. <laughs> uh, we, we, Me and her used to play together because I was bigger than everybody. And so we played a neighbor and my, and my oldest son, and I would dominate them like that. Then once she learned the ball – it was like I just turned into a rebounder. She's going six or seven straight points. They they cussing each other out, and you know they they not cussing us because you're gonna get choked doing that. But you know they was getting mad, and it was like all she doing is scoring. Yeah, that's what she's doing. She done scored six straight points, and we whooping y'all's ass. And yep. that, you know that was the whole thing right there. So yeah, uh, uh, let's talk was... about. This, that, I was gonna say Kyrie. That's exactly who I was about okay, to be. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because there ahead. was a point in the fourth quarter early on where they cut it from 11 to 4. Where I was like, I just want to remind y'all, we spend so much time on Luka, which we should. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Tyre Kyrie is a top 10 NBA player. Because he had a, he called a couple <laughs> bank shots and then he hit a three and, I, and then he made a nice play on defense. He basically took over the game. He ain't going to let and, you forget. Right, but you know what Jason Kidd said after the game? He said, we got to get him the ball more in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, he, uh, he's one of the best fourth quarter players ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if, you, if you was playing 2K and you came down and you shot with the same guy off the glass four times, four possessions in a row. Duh. Oh, you you gonna be like, oh, you gonna be cheesy this whole game? Why don't you be more? Why don't you be realistic? Kyrie ain't that good. He that damn good. You know when he get to rocking yeah. back and forth with the ball, something about to happen, man. No, nah, he was uh, he was unbelievable. I thought yeah. there was. I was gonna. I was sitting there watching, going, you know what? They done pissed around and played with their food this whole game. Now the two stars gonna take over and do that thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Pacers had a nice little run. 
the Mavericks offense became too much one-on-one, yeah. not enough ball movement, and so they dropped it. But uh, the point I wanted to make was not just to talk about this game. Uh, you know, they blew out Phoenix the other day to win their eighth straight. And the thing uh, that Jason Kidd talked about was we don't really care about anything right now except playing our best basketball in, uh, in April when the playoffs start. And that's cool. But if the Mavericks can keep building on this, I view them – and I haven't viewed them like this all year. But they're starting to look like one of them teams ain't nobody interested in playing come to playoffs. Because when you have Lively and you got Gafford, now you don't, you're don't you never without a big man on the floor and a rim protector and a, uh, and a guy who can roll and dunk. And now with Kyrie and Luka, you're never without a superstar on the floor. Yeah. And then with P.J. Washington, whatever offensive inconsistencies he has – uh, he can be a solid defender when he has the mindset to do so. Uh, and so all of a sudden, you know, they look like a much more different, dangerous team. It's a lot than, of things they can do with that lineup. They can put Gafford and Gafford and Lively together. And, and with Gafford, Lively, and Luka at the point, they pretty big. Exactly. And, uh, oh. you know, Luka touched on that the other day. They had a lineup, and he said, that made us really big. I like that. Because they've been one of the smaller teams in the league all year, and that's been a problem for them. Gaffer can run, and he can block shots, and he can rebound. He did it tonight. I think a guard tried to ISO him, and he's just like, nah, dog. Oh, is that the one where he he smacked it into the bleachers on a jumper? Yeah, somebody got a free ball or something that day because he, I mean, lad, just yeah. that play. I thought it was going, when I, when I finally got into it, when I finally got to see the game, I think I stepped in in the third quarter, and I was going, this is boring. And the fourth quarter came, and I'm going to tell you, I didn't like that they lost, but it was worth it to see Kyrie do his thing that six, seven minutes that he did it. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's just incredible. And they no. do have – they do legit have two superstars. Well, superstars, yeah. And yeah, that's why I they pose a problem you. in the playoffs because at any moment, either one of them cats can take over, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, hand in the face, it don't matter. When those guys get rolling, it's a wrap. And so, they're a very dangerous team right now, man. And if they can play some good ball, not only will they be dangerous, they'll build some confidence about what they can do and uh, what they expect to do, and that will make them even uh, more difficult to deal with. So uh, that's the Mavericks. Uh, they still got a tough stretch on this East Coast swing. Uh, we'll see uh, what they can do with it, but uh, you know it's a it's a uh, it's a good test for them, man. They can be out on the road. They got some time to practice. They got some time to uh, you know work with some uh, some different lineups as as they get things going because they got Cleveland coming up and the Cavaliers are thirty seven nineteen. I don't know if y'all been paying attention. Then they play the Raptors who ain't no good. Then they get the Celtics who got the league's best record at forty five and twelve. Then the Sixers without Embiid. Then they get the Pacers at the crib. Then they get the Heat, uh, which is thirty-one and twenty-five. And then it slows yeah. down for just a little bit. But that's a nice little stretch for us to see what they can do against Cavaliers, some of the best teams. Cavaliers in the NBA. be a good Cavaliers be a good test because they was pretty good last year. They just gave it up in the playoffs. You know, they just they just bombed in the playoffs. But that's a pretty good team over there. Yeah. No, uh, no cap as as the youngsters like to say. But uh, that's uh. I think that's uh, that's something to look forward to. So we'll see what they do with the Cavs 
and uh, see if they can make a uh, another step forward. But the uh, Mavericks, they go down in a big way to the Pacers tonight. But all hope is not lost. Uh, ever since they made the trade, man, I've had some people come up to me. Hey, I think the Mavericks can do something right now. And I'm telling you, ain't nobody said that to me early in the season. So uh, that's a good thing for your Dallas Mavericks. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't gone to The Real Jot Talk on YouTube, please do so now and subscribe, like it, and leave a comment. Uh, we always appreciate that. It helps grow the show. Uh, we always appreciate Greening Law for sponsoring the show. doesn't really happen without them, as well as my boys over there at Smokey John's Barbecue. We finally got Big Joe and the Big Rig and his family to Jam Session Bowl, and it was to live for. Uh, so... <laughs> you can hit me up on Twitter at JJT Journalist. Why you laughing, man? No, man. Hold up, man. Hold up. I'm proud of you, man. I'm man. I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so proud of you, dog. I got bet fifty dollars that you was gonna say we got Big Joe. Big Joe got some love in his mouth. <laughs> Boy, I was gonna put your ass in timeout. Uh, I had a plan, dog. I had a plan. I'm a dude tried to bet me some money. My boy Tyrone say, and here I have a listener. He one of my best longtime friends, and he said, "Hey man, I bet you. I know he gonna say that. I know he gonna say. I said, he, yeah, he bet. Now I'm putting his ass in timeout. I already had a plan. I was killing your mic for one minute. You was getting one minute. I was gonna kill it. Say, just tell the people, hey, you know what? Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. It might cost me my job, but he, hey, I ain't taking it. But I, hey, I'm proud of you, dog. Right, man, uh, you do practice of discretion sometimes. I don't know. I know you a long time, but I wasn't sure. But I wasn't having that shit. So, you know, kudos to you, man. I'm proud of you, dog. You know what I'm saying? You know, hey. I'm glad. I'm glad I, I can reward. That's why I start. That's why I start laughing. Cause I'm like, yeah. You know, I should have took that bet, but I wouldn't take it because I wasn't going I wasn't going to suffer the indignity of you saying that and me losing the damn bet. I just couldn't take both of them. You understand? So there you go. Those who stayed through this part of the show have gotten their money's worth. Hey, man, that shit crazy, man. I was like, I couldn't get off it because you would have said, man, why you didn't say that? I was like, all right, then. I'm going to say it then. But all right. Then. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, so we appreciate you. Until we chat again, you guys be blessed. <laughs>